Can you turn with me? We're going to look at a couple of passages this morning. I'm kind of on, on a bit of a journey. I'll get to what I really want to say in a minute. But, but this, this has been with me all week. Matthew 9. If you turn there with me. I feel like this is, this is just going to take me a couple of minutes, but I just feel like this is a, like a, a now word to us as a church, and it's about reaching new people. Matthew chapter 9, it's about engaging our faith in this process. And I just want to be in verse 1, if we've got that on the screen, that'd be great. No, we don't. Oh, yes, we do. So getting into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or say, rise and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and he went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. And I just want to pick up something here that's really unusual in this passage. And it says that, when he saw their faith, all right, not when he saw his faith. So these friends are carrying this guy who's paralyzed, who can't move. So his friend's faith literally works out and they bring the guy to Jesus. All right, and that, that doesn't give us too many problems, but what it says next could give us a problem. It's just because it says when he sees their faith, he says his sins are forgiven. When he sees their faith, he says, your sins are forgiven. And that doesn't fit with what a lot of us have grown up with, which is a very individualistic view of what faith is like and how you get saved. But what I feel God wants to release to us is actually your faith can bring people in to a place where they get forgiven. It's almost like corporately you gang up on someone who needs healing or forgiveness and that bringing them to the presence of Jesus gets them fixed almost whether they were aware of it or not. This guy has no choices. This guy is paralyzed. I don't know whether he wanted them to take him to Jesus or he didn't want him to go to Jesus. The point is he had no options. And, and in one of the accounts, it's, I don't know if it's a different paralyzed guy, but you know when they dig a hole in the roof? I mean, this is embarrassing, isn't it? Like, talk about lots of us would not like, even though we're going to get healed, don't make a scene. Yeah. We don't want to be noticed. We'd like it to be healed at the back. Yeah. You know, we'd like it to be under the radar yeah. just because we, we don't want to be up front and center. Here, his dear friends dig the roof open and drop him down in front of Jesus. And he's like, who knows? He might be going, stop doing this. This is embarrassing. We don't know. But he has no options because he's paralyzed. And Jesus, in the same in those accounts, it says when he sees their faith, I think it's when he sees his friend's faith. It's friends have bought him. 
Your friends have gone, this is the guy to get this, our dear friend next to in order to see him fixed. Their faith released from Jesus forgiveness and healing to this individual. So I, I just feel God is speaking to us as a community. Let's target some people. Some of your friends really need healing and forgiveness. Start partnering with heaven and one another and believe together for them to come in and bring them into the presence of Jesus and they're going to get forgiven. Maybe before they even know they need it. But your faith, corporate faith, is going to bring people to faith. Your corporate faith is going to bring people to healing. We've received so much goodness over these last years as a church, it's time to believe for it to happen and impact the people around you and actively believe with them and for them and start dragging them into his presence. And I believe some of that is dragging them in here. I know some of you have a bit of a funny attitude about bringing people to church because we're weird. And they're not going to get saved. They're going to get saved because he's here. Or get around them as friends and pray with them and release the presence of God over people. And forgiveness and healing is going to break out on the streets as it is happening or in your front room or wherever. It's not confined, but the presence of Jesus is here. I I believe we should bring more guests into this environment. You have all our reasons. If you meet Jesus, whether the worship is too long or the preaching they can't understand is irrelevant. In the Bible, it says that there's crazy meetings in the Corinthian church, but people were coming amongst them and having the secrets of their heart revealed and falling down and saying, what must we do to be saved? That's, that's, that's normal church life. Not that it's all kind of slick and normal. No, it needs to be super normal. It needs to be supernatural partner up together start believing for people and I, I just feel maybe you've not succeeded in this before I just believe it's a season change this is a so I'm just releasing a, a word to us as a church it's time to believe for others to come in and get the goodies that you got and it's time to start being proactive in doing things and finding ways of dragging them in here so that your faith will see them get well in, in every possible way is that okay so, so let, let's, uh, let's move on. That was, I wanted to say that, but it wasn't the main preach. That was extras. Yeah, that was, that was the bonus track. Um, can you turn me to Philippians chapter 4? I'm just going to spend a little time and time we've got left talking about Anxiety. Well, peace. <laughs> Just lift the anxiety off you right now. <laughs> oh, aren't you to leave this room more worried than when you came in? <laughs> With less fingernails. <laughs> I'm going to Philippians 4, verse 4. don't know if it's not working up there, is it? Okay. We'll use the old system called a Bible. But it's an electronic one. It works. Philippians 4, verse 4. We're going to break in. 
says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say... It's not a very long verse, is it? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. Um, I believe we're, we're, one of the things that's been happening to us over the last few years is this kind of journey out of anxiety into peace about all kinds of things. And, and, and we live in a world, I, I believe personally, the world is founded on fear. Everything is about anxiety. So fear produces anxiety. And fear is rooted in the fact that we are feeling uncertain, unprotected, unprovided for, and we are not in control. And anything we feel vulnerable in tends to produce anxiety and fear in us. But actually, in our minds, I think, and in our lives, we tend to have a view that there's some anxiety we'd rather not have, but there's kind of virtuous anxiety. We call it stress. We don't have a negative name for it. Well, although stress can become negative, but you listen to, to some people say, oh, no, there's, there's good stress. There's good stress because stress makes you do stuff. Stress get in you gets stuff done. And uh, so the obvious things that produce anxiety, things like you lose your job or you can't pay a bill or some sort of sickness comes on you suddenly or tragedy family pressures, those sort of things. We recognize those, and we, we know that when we pray, we can receive answers and get peace. Yeah, you, That kind of anxiety is kind of obvious anxiety. But, but I think there's this sort of idea of virtuous anxiety. Stuff that we don't... No, no I'm, not, I'm not anxious, I'm just worried. And then we say that we have a good reason to be worried because if, I don't, if I'm not worried, I don't really care. That, that, that's kind of a thing that goes on, isn't it? If you really care, you'd be worried about this. Yeah. Well, Jesus says I have no anxiety about anything, even the stuff you care about. And, and in another verse, he says don't have anxiety because he cares about you. So, you know, our children's education. Many parents spend a lot of time extremely concerned. See, concerned isn't anxiety. It's, it's posh. It's sanctified. <laughs> Consternation and concern are legitimate forms of anxiety. But Jesus said, I have no anxiety. Do you see what I'm saying? Or... How's my interview going to go with my boss for my job assessment? Or I have deadlines and I've got 20 days work to do in 10 days. That produces healthy stress. It means I'll get the work done. Are you with me? And we have this kind of stuff in another box. 
But I just, the more I'm looking at the scripture, I'm all thinking, no. And, 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 and I started to think about holy anxiety, like to be concerned about things in the church as a church leader is holy, obviously, and doesn't come in this category either. It's like, will we have enough chairs? Will enough people come to the conference? Can we pay the bills? But, but this is church, so this is holy. It, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's glorious nail-biting. <laughs> Is there enough cake at the end of the meeting? Some people get very stressed about cake at the end of the meeting. And they're stressed about it. And it happens, you know, and, and you can get... You can get stressed about not getting any cake at the end of the meeting. You know, like, get to the back quick because the good stuff always goes. The kids are in their little hands and, and levels of anxiety start to rise in the room because it's cake time. You know, the servers serving cake are anxious there will not be enough cake. The people eating the cake are anxious there won't be enough cake and the children eat all the cake. They're probably the ones who are not stressed about the cake. Hmm, who is it we're supposed to be like? <laughs> you know, Jesus said, look at the little kids. They eat cake and don't care. <laughs> and then some of us go home and we get our Weight Watcher calculator out and then we worry because we got cake and we ate too much of it, not looking at anybody in particular. <laughs> So I, I realized in, in the early part of my sabbatical, I'm like, I've become full of holy anxiety. But it's not good. So lots of good things are going on. Lots of good things to manage and lead. But actually, the, the pressures of getting things done and getting things paid for or whatever it was, was starting to crowd into my heart. But it all looks good. What, what am I filling my day with? I'm doing holy stuff. I get paid to do holy stuff. If it starts to get contaminated, if it starts to get filled with anxiety in my heart, because what, what the verse goes on to say is that when peace is reigning, it keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Remember that at the end of the verse? I have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests remain known to God, and then... The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I may be mixing a few translations up there because I memorized it in NASB about 30 years ago. But, but that's the thrust of it, is the goal is that your heart and your mind are kept in Christ. Now, there's two realities here. Reality number one is you are in Christ. No one can take you out of Christ. You can't take yourself out of Christ. He's not going to take you out of him. When you come to faith, you are in Christ. You may not feel like you're in Christ, but you're in. 
It's a, it's, a re, it's a reality. It's a faith reality. It's a spiritual reality. And when you're in Christ, you're seated with him in heavenly places. He has got you and no one can snatch you out of his hands. You are in Christ. But many mornings you will wake up and you will not have your heart and mind in Christ. So Jesus talked to them about, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. Yeah? So what I'm talking about here is the experiential reality, the the living day-to-day connection with the reality that you're in Christ. Being aware of you're in Christ is what happens in your heart and mind. Your heart is the seat of your will and emotions. Your mind is where you think, well, for most of us. That's what's going on. You know, thoughts and rationality is happening. And the goal of our life is that we live out the reality that Jesus bought and paid for, that we, by his blood and his resurrection, are in him. And that every day we live and enjoy the fact that we're in him as an experienced awareness, a reality. Are you? So there is a reality, but he wants you to experience the reality. And one of the things that can steal that experience and that sweetness and that, connect, that awareness of that connection from us is this thing called anxiety. Otherwise known as stress, concern, fear, worry. It's all in the same bag. Is this making sense? So if I want to be more aware of him in my life, The fact that I'm in him and he's in me and day by day that's where I want to live, which is where I want to live, then one of the things that's going to pull me out of that that world is is anxiety, internal anxiety. It's kind of, it's a a sin that people don't see. And it's a sin we can dress up in kind of nice terms. You know, I've got holy anxiety, I've got posh anxiety, I've got real anxiety because I'm actually very concerned. But actually, this is saying have no anxiety. And, and Jesus kind of, I've been reading Matthew, he's kind of hot on this. He really kind of, early, early chapters of Matthew, he really goes at this don't worry stuff. Matthew 6, 31 says, don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? That's what the Gentiles go after. What he's saying is, for most people, their concern motor is focused on getting their bills paid and food on the table. And he says, don't let that be like, that's not the way it should be for you. Do not worry about this stuff. Yeah, but I'll die if I don't have this stuff. Do you see what I mean? Or I'll get very wet or cold or very hungry or look very disheveled if I don't have food. This is what he's saying. Or clothes or a place to stay. He says, don't be anxious. Do not be anxious. It's not like a divine suggestion. It's the same as do not lie or do not kill. He says, do not worry. But it's right to be worried about whether I can pay my mortgage and have a roof over my head. Well, he's saying, no, it isn't. Because we have a heavenly father who knows what we need before we ask him and he's busy sorting that stuff out for us. That's what Jesus says. I'm not making it up. Read the Bible. 
Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, don't worry about your house, about your clothes, and about your food. Everybody is doing that stuff. I don't want you to do that because your heavenly father, he, look, look at the grass of the field. Are they taking Prozac? Do they ever go into the GP for another Valium prescription? And yet, look, your heavenly father dresses them beautifully. How much more will he? Just turn to someone and tell them, don't worry. And then tell them, because Heavenly Father's all over it. He's all, whatever it is you were worried about, Heavenly Father's all over it right now. You know, Jesus said some radical stuff about worrying. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. He says, let tomorrow take care of itself. You know, if I had implemented that success for me in my life, my, my amount of time spent being anxious would have been reduced phenomenally because lots of the things I worried about never happened anyway. Or if they did happen, something amazing happened and flipped it around. This is a happy message. You could use a lot less energy in your life if you just cut out the worry, couldn't we? We could just still be like, yay, Father loves me. I'm not worried. Yes, but there could be another recession. That's tomorrow. You don't know. The news is full of anxiety-producing speculation about crashes and dips and plagues. And But you want us to be stupid and not listen. Watch the news and figure out how much of it actually happens. Some of it does, but a great deal of it does not. And even if it does, we're told not to worry about it. Eh, yeah. uh-huh, got you. And, and even if you're caught out for your faith and hauled up before people, he says, ah, don't worry about it. I'm quoting Jesus. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what to say or even how to say it because you'll be given what to say right at the moment. I'm like, wow. You know, Andy, having no anxiety about anything, just, that's just unreal. That's not, that's not real life. Well, we're not supposed to be living real life. That, that's what I'm realizing we're not called to live real life as defined by what maybe everybody else is used to. That's not, that's not our standard. Is this? I just like it when people smile at me rather than go. It's, the fact that this messes with our head, like how do we do this in real life, shouldn't mean that we delete it from the Bible and chuck it out as a bad idea. Jesus is trying to teach us to do heaven's life on the earth. He's trying to teach us to do unreal life. Because actually what we need is the, the ultimate reality and the highest reality, which is him and the Father and the Holy Spirit 
and the atmosphere of heaven in our life. So the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness. Come on, come on, confess. It says that it's righteousness. Righteousness. The thing is we get stressed about being righteous. Don't need to be stressed about righteous. Because it's righteousness. You know, it's possible that if your righteousness does not include peace and joy, it's not heavenly righteousness. I'm looking really sad because I'm trying to be righteous and holy. I'm not sure that's not sure that was in the original recipe. But we've got to be serious about righteousness. The Bible says it's righteousness, peace, and should we say it again because I like you saying it? The kingdom of heaven is righteousness peace and joy. in awesome. What if God finds out what I did? What do you mean, what if God finds out what you did? He already knows what you did. Other people find out what you did. There is a bigger problem. Because if you live in a judgmental environment, righteousness, peace, and joy is not what's present. And you'll stay secret rather than feeling at peace in the community. So peace is a community word as well as an individual word. And as we get a culture right where transparency, both for good and bad, is healthy, then righteousness, peace, and joy can live between us and amongst us as well as inside us individually. See, the kingdom of heaven is coming to earth through me and you, through people full of righteousness, peace, and joy. So one of the big things that kind of switches off our sensitivity and our enjoyment of Jesus is anxiety. So what are you saying? Like we just don't care about anything? No. It's about believing rather than worrying. That's kind of the message, really. Okay, but the verse helps us a bit more than that. You'll be relieved. What is it? It, I mean, the goal is that we live in incomprehensible peace. So in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that your requests remain known to God. Then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Proverbs 3. If you lean into what you have to understand, 
then you're more likely to become anxious. But this is heaven's peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness and in the Holy Spirit. It's peace that doesn't make sense to the human, to earth. It's heaven's peace. So it supersedes, overwhelms, and is a greater reality than what we've got down here. So you can have peace even when you don't have the mortgage payment in the bank the day before it's due. That doesn't make sense. No, that's what I just said. It doesn't make sense. There is another reality. There is, God is spirit. He is present in a realm that we are getting used to. And I had a visionary encounter one day, and, and Jesus was there in front of me. I said, Jesus, why can't I just see you like this? He said, well, you've got to get used to the real reality. I'm like, oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> God is spirit first. Material is a consequence of God, not a substitute for God and not superior to God. Circum- so actually, what we need is a healthy download of denial. So it's not good to be in denial. Everybody's in denial about something. A lot of people are in denial about God. They, don't, they deny that he is. They're missing the biggest reality there is, and they're in denial. Help me out here. It's true, isn't it? Everybody's denying something. What we're called to do, to do is, is affirm the superior reality of his realm over the inferiority of this realm so that the realities down here, we, are, we can afford to... Ignore some of them. But you can be in denial. As a Christian, you can be in denial about the goodness of God because you, we and me and you are so anxious about what's happening in our life. I'm hoping this is making sense. So, so let, let's go back to the verse. It starts off. Rejoice always, and again I say with rejoice. And he said that everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's a lot of celebrating going on in the context of this scripture. And often negative circumstances cause us to get gloomy, and gloom is driven by anxiety. And he's fundamentally, he's saying an antidote for anxiety is rejoicing and thanksgiving. which goes contrary to normal instinct, but is us becoming more supernatural. So the way to connect to heaven's perspective is to start to rejoice and give thanks, even if you feel anxious. Well, that's not real. Yeah, it is real. That's what we just said. You're moving into denial about this real in order to celebrate this real. My circumstances are rubbish. So what? Is God good? Yes. Well, then let's celebrate. Yes. 
Do your circumstances or my circumstances tell me anything about him? Actually, no. That, that's the wrong pair of glasses to learn about God. Well, here's my life and I'm looking at him through these. He's going to be all blurry. Now I look at them through him. So Ephesians 5.20 is probably the most ignored verse in the Bible because it says, always giving thanks for everything. Well, everything. Look, if you have a problem with this, talk to him. He wrote the book. <laughs> Always giving thanks to everything. Yeah, but I've been, I've been abused and someone died. And, well, surely you can't mean everything. Maybe what he's saying is God is always good so you can always give thanks. Because whether it's horrible what's happening or happened to you, if you give thanks to him for it, you're going to find his goodness breaking through in it. That's what they did when they were... In jail, wasn't it? You know, Paul and Silas, they're in the center of the jail with all the rats. What do they do? Oh, this is a bad job here. Man, Silas talking to Paul. Silas, Paul, I regret being on your team. This is a poor leadership decision. When I signed up for this, I thought we were going to see healings and plant churches, not rats eating my toes. The food in here is rubbish. There's no air con. And the beds, well, there are no beds. That's not what they did. It's just they sang praises. They gave thanks and rejoiced in everything and for everything, and things changed. Is this helping anybody? See, there's something about gratitude and thanksgiving and worship and praise that both releases heaven's reality into ours and moves our awareness into heaven's out of earth's. So gratefulness and praise and thanksgiving start to move us to a higher perspective over what's happening and releases him to invade what we're facing. And Jesus taught us to pray that. Didn't he said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when it says prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, the intention is that we're praying already modified by our gratefulness and our celebration so that what we're doing is rather than praying anxious prayers from here, we're praying faith-filled prayers from there. Because anxiety isn't faith. Anxiety doesn't move the hand of God. Oh God, don't you know? Don't you know I need a hundred quid? Yeah, of course he knows. And you haven't sent it yet. And if it doesn't come, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. God, don't you know I need this? Don't you know? It's time, it's time. I'm going to pray and fast again and again and again. 
I've got to have it, got to have it. I mean, there's this kind of level of worrying the Almighty. I, mean, I can only say it because I've done it. You know, those kind of, I'm, inter- I'm, I'm in intercession. Help, help, help more. It still hasn't happened. I'm wrestling with the Lord. No, what you, I'm doing is wrestling with my unbelief. And there's Heavenly Father, who is infinitely good, who's looking for a way to break through in my life. It's like, if your heart wasn't so full of anxiety, I could download something into you and it would all change. Be quiet for a minute and let the peace of God rule in your heart, which passes all understanding, and we're going to have a breakthrough. Oh God, when are you going to hear me? The heavens are like brass. He says, no, no, I'm not deaf and I'm right here. I'm just kind of trying to make the transaction happen on the wrong wavelength. I'm trying to, I'm trying to stir up faith where faith is a download, not a strive, product of striving. All faith comes from him. And it's based on a revelation of who he is and what he's like. And based on what he says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And, and actually that scripture, is, we tend to think well, that means I'll read the Bible. Well, that, that can happen, but it's actually by hearing the voice of God about what you need faith for. That's where faith comes from. It's from the lips. It's, it's the spoken word. What's he saying? Because as soon as you hear his, what he's saying, faith fills your heart. Peace starts to happen, and even if the circumstances haven't changed, you have. I'm more excited about this than I thought. So rejoicing and thanksgiving are the environment in which asking, prayer and supplication take place. Because that's already lifted you from the place of anxiety into the place of heaven's perspective. And that's where we're meant to pray from. And that's what we're meant to pray for is more of his will, more of heaven coming to earth. And then we can enjoy supernatural peace that doesn't make sense given our circumstances. It's a little phrase that, that, that I know I use. and you know, They're doing well given the circumstances. Do you have that phrase in your... They're doing well given the circumstances. Well, I think I'd like to do well regardless of the circumstances. I, I'd like to be incomprehensibly doing well. Why are you doing so well, given your circumstances? <laughs> you are either an idiot because you don't understand what you're facing. You know, I'm just kind of, or you're mainlining something, and I'd like some. So. I just, I just want to put it out there. Have no anxiety. Whether it's holy, whether it's posh, 
whether it's stress, have none, none of, let's have none of it. No anxiety about anything. Children, jobs, houses, food. What people think. Let's have no anxiety about anything. But in the context of rejoicing and thanksgiving, let, let the Heavenly Father know all our requests. And the absolute guaranteed is that the peace of God is going to reign in our lives that no one is going to understand. But the goal isn't peace. The goal is the revelation of Jesus in your life. Your hearts and minds will be connected in a living and vibrant and real way to Jesus in our day-to-day lives in a way that we've not experienced before because the cloud and confusion of anxiety has gone. That means the face of Jesus can be very present in our hearts.